repeated numerous times. Now, the word, the word of cosmos, literally translated, has numerous meanings. It can represent God's perfect creation, the cosmos at its beginning. We're looking at Genesis 1, the perfect creation. It can also represent the dwelling of humankind, where we live. We live in the world. It can also represent the dwelling place of sin and sinners. It represents somewhere where sin seems to reign everywhere we look. But one thing we do know is no matter what translation you consider at this stage, and we'll come on to that in a minute, we do know that the world, God's creation, the cosmos, is an object of God's affection. It is something that God protected. Even in the great flood, the world was still there. Even though in the Old Testament, numerous nations sinned against God, the world still stood. Even when they killed God's Son, the cosmos still stood. However, the world that we live in now is a fallen system, a system that we are being told here in verse 15 that we should reject. And the reason we should reject is because it is under the rule of Satan. And the thing is, we're all inclined to love the world. No one can say in this room that I don't love the world because there is something in this world that you do love. We're inclined to love it. It's almost as if by very nature, by very creation, we love the things of this world. Just before we go on to explain what do not love the world actually means, just look at verse 14, just one verse before. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. You see, do not love the world is very closely tied to this verse, which is you are strong. So when God gives this command in John 15, John 2.15, he reminds us just one verse before, you are strong. You are strong enough to not love the world. You are strong enough to love only me. You are strong enough to defeat the sin in the cosmos. And when I talk about defeating it, as Christians we use and have the power of Christ. So, we've talked about the world. We need to figure out what this world is. Is it Starbucks coffee on a Monday morning? Is it our savings account? What is it? Well, let's look at the very specific things that this passage says that we're not to love. Verse 16. For all that is in the world. So what is in the world? The desires of flesh. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 17. And we will find out what the desires of the flesh means. So this is one aspect of the world, okay? So Galatians 5 and from verse 17. So in John 2.16 it says, Do not love the world, the desires of the flesh. In Galatians 5.17 it says, For the desires of the flesh. Okay, so we're getting a list here of what we're not to love. What is the list? For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Okay, so here 
is what John 2.16 is saying that we should not love. Here is the list. Now the the works of the flesh are evident. Idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and things like this. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now in this one list, you could probably read through that list and think, well there's nothing really there that I love. I've probably checked that box, probably don't have any issues there. But let let me ask you this, do you have an idol? The definition of an idol is something you worship something that you give time to, something that you give effort to, something that you seek guidance from. How much time do you give things in this world? How much time do you spend on things in your life? How much money do you spend on a certain project, on a certain goal in your life? Has it become an idol? But also... We're told here that something of the flesh is fits of anger. Now we just have to look at politics to see how quickly anger can become something that we do and something we partake in. And by doing it, we're actively saying that we are loving it. So we are told that the world, the things we are not to love, are these desires of the flesh. Turn back to me, with me to 1 John chapter 2 and we will look at what next we're not to love. Verse 16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, which we have just read out, and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life. So when John is talking here about the desires of the eyes, he's talking about temptation for greed, for envy and for jealousy. For seeing something that someone else has and wanting it for ourselves. For seeing success in someone else and wanting it for ourselves. For being greedy, for taking everything for ourselves, for thinking about ourselves. This is an aspect of the world that we are commanded not to love. We're commanded to not be like this. We're commanded to not look at others and desperately seek what they have. We're commanded to not love the neediness, the greediness that we can so easily get into. But most importantly, problem, probably here, is we are not to love the pride of life. I know this is not a phrase from the Lion King. The pride of life speaks about life itself, your very own life your very own heartbeat and the breath that you breathe. We are not to love life itself. That's a tricky one, isn't it? We're not to be proud of our life that we're living. One commentator put it this way, there is much more to life than life itself. In fact, the only thing greater than life itself is the one that gives life. So we are not to love the things that we do. We're not to love what comes from our heart, which is in very nature sinful. Instead, we are to look 
to the life giver. In other words, we don't boast in our lives, we boast in the cross. But what I find particularly interesting in 1 John chapter 2 is verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, here is the easiest way to explain what do not love the world means. There is but one thing that is everlasting, one thing that is eternal. And we've done, dealt with this in the last two months, and that is Jesus. That is living in the light. That is being focused on God. That is the only thing that is eternal. But everything in this life will fade. And it is of those things we are not to love. And to help show this to you, just because someone said they liked wee object lessons, we thought we'd throw three in. You might have seen this before. This is, yes, I heard someone heard. I will honestly admit I nicked this from another pastor. You can watch it on YouTube. I'm going to adjust it slightly. But if you see this very, very long rope, and I can tell you it is, oh, I don't know, about 15 meters long. I think enough to probably pass it in, but I won't do it. See this massive rope here. I want you to think that this whole rope is eternity, that it's not tied to that post, but it stretches forever. It never ends. There is no ending to this rope. And this represents eternity. This represents the things that last. This represents the things we are to focus on. But we have a bit of a problem. Because in our lives, what we tend to do is we focus on this bit here. This bit here represents your life on earth. This is the bit that we love. This is the bit we save our money for so that we can enjoy our life. This is the bit, like the man right at the beginning of the service, we buy houses, we go on holidays, we enjoy life. This is the bit we get our degrees, where we spend life making it our own. But the problem is we're so focused on this bit that we completely forget about this bit, about eternity. And 1 John 2.15 says, do not love this bit, love this bit, love eternity, love Jesus. So let me ask you the question I should have asked at the start. What do you love more? Do you love the life that you have now? Or do you love the life that you're going to spend eternity in? See, here's the key thing. This is why I've got this picture up here. Walking in the light, discerning truth from deception. The world says we should focus on this. The world says even we should focus on this last little bit here. This last little bit represents our retirement. And the world says that we need to save a pension, buy a house, have a degree, have a great career, raise kids, have those kids go to uni and do college courses. So that when we come to the very end of this bit, we can say, well, we did a great job in life. We loved everyone and loved everything in it. <clears throat> but what John chapter 2 teaches us 
is there is zero point in loving this because all this eternity will be hell. If we completely ignore Jesus, this entire rope that will be endless represents hell. That's why it is so important to not be deceived by this world. Because this world is deceiving us. The things in this world is deceiving us, making us think this is so important. But we, we are so desperate for you guys to know as a team here is we want you to stop thinking about this bit, to stop loving the bits in the world, to stop having idols, stop saving your money for arbitrary things that think, you think are going to make you happy, but instead start focusing your entire lives on what's going to come afterwards. Now, don't get me wrong. I like a nice car and a nice house and a nice life like anybody else. Are you really willing to sacrifice eternity, all of this everlasting life, because you're so desperate to love what is in this world, so desperate to have people love you in this world, so desperate to have your university friends say that you're a cool guy or a cool girl, that you'll ignore church, ignore the Bible, ignore Jesus, because, well, that's, that's not what I love. I love this bit. The importance of John 2.15 is not an arbitrary command, do not love the world because I'm a stingy God and I don't want you to love things. It is not a command to say give up every possession you ever have and give it to the poor. It's a command to think about eternity. Verse 17. Because everything in this world is passing away. Everything in this world will die. But if we consider eternity, if we consider light, if we consider Jesus, if we consider God in our lives, well, those things abide forever. We would love you to consider what is next in your lives, not what is coming tomorrow, not what is coming next year, but what is coming after you die? Because if we don't take this command seriously, if we don't take do not love the world seriously, and instead we love the world, we're told in verse 14 and 15 that if we love the world, if we build this kingdom up for ourselves in this world, well, guess what? You don't know the Father, you're in darkness, and you're going to hell. That is what chapter 1 and 2 is about. That is why we have labored over this point. But the flip side of the story is that if we live in light, if we surrender our lives to Jesus, if we surrender everything in it and the love that we have for the world and all the stuff in it, if we just surrender all of that over, then we get a much, much better prize than anything this world can give us. We get everlasting life with Jesus. Just to close... I'm just going to read out a couple of verses from Philippians. It was read out this morning, and we sung it this morning at church. And it found in Philippians. And it says, To me to live is Christ. 
but to die is gain. My challenge tonight when you go home and read 1 John yourself is ask yourself this. Do I love the world or do I love Jesus? And if I love Jesus, can I truly say, well, for me dying is gain because I have my everlasting life waiting for me, worshipping Jesus. If you're fearful over death, if you're worried about it, if you're fearful about what's coming next, then I would probably hasten to ask you to consider who Jesus is to you and what he promises. We are to not love the world. We are to not love the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes. We're not to even love life itself, but instead we are to love Jesus passionately and we are to boast in what he did on the cross rather than anything in this world, anything in this cosmos. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for just these few verses that highlight to us how important it is to you to not love this world, but rather love you. Father, I pray for everyone in this room. I pray that they will consider what is coming next in their life. What is coming after this life on this earth will go. After this life will pass. As we are told in verse 17, everything will pass. Father, I pray that they will find their hearts in you. That they will be able to enjoy everlasting life, everlasting joy in you. Father, I pray that we won't be a bunch of young people that build up some super kingdom of our own here but that we will be a generation that chooses to consider everlasting life as something that is gain, something that is more beautiful and more stunning than this world can provide. So Father, I pray for every soul in this room that they walk in the light and they flee from darkness. I pray this in your name. Amen.